SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. the wheels off of in high school cruising for chicks and going to the game on friday nights then forgetting where you parked it till saturday morning and you had to get your buddy to drive you around looking for it i think i see it man this is the sports grid radio network hour two on a tuesday for pushing the odds here on sports grid radio channel 204 welcome to the sports map radio audience coming up here in a couple of seconds my name is matt peralta how are you you can follow me on twitter at sports talk matt you can follow the show on twitter at pushing the odds okay we'll talk to matt Moore from the action network at 40 past this hour we'll get into tonight's big game nets and the bucks harden status will james harden play yes or no he's listed as doubtful with a pretty significant hamstring injury but boy do they need him tonight given that Kyrie Irving is officially out he will not play tonight after suffering that really tough ankle injury in game four in Milwaukee Kevin Durant needs help and if James Harden can play that changes the entire dynamic of the game and really the entire series so much liability on the Nets. It would be a monster win for the sports books if the Brooklyn Nets were to be knocked out by the Milwaukee Bucks. So we'll watch that. Pivotal Pivotal Game 5, home court, you know, hinging here. Can Milwaukee steal it from Brooklyn or can Brooklyn protect it and send the series back to Milwaukee for a big Game 6? So really good stuff there. Matt Moore coming up at 40 pass. But let's talk about Phil Mickelson and where we are with the story involving Phil, Phil Mickelson. This guy wins the PGA. Everyone's in love with him. And the sports books have seen nothing but Mickelson money here coming up for the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines in his backyard in San Diego. And everyone wants this to happen. It's the career Grand Slam. Phil has had just a horrific time with U.S. Opens. It's the one thing left of everything that guy has done, all the accomplishments that Phil Mickelson has in his golf career. This is the one. This is the tournament. Is this his time? Maybe. But... Maybe not. It's tough when you start looking at these incredible golf courses like Torrey Pines and all of the, the, the rough, the, all of the brokenhearted, you know, Sundays for Phil Mickelson over his career. And, you know, Wingfoot back in 2006 or Pinehurst back in 1999, Marion back in 2013 or Shinnecock Hills back in 2004, Beth Plage Black back in 2009. I mean, he's coming in. Two strokes back, one stroke back, three strokes back, over and over and over again. And, I mean, we're always going to have this conversation about him hitting the ball that wound up smacking off of the tent, the hospitality tent, when he was coming down the stretch. And he could have wound up winning the thing, and he wound up one stroke back. And Jeff Ogilvie won, won the tournament at Wingfoot back in 2006. Phil is the people's champion. Everyone loves this guy. I mean... Everyone loves this guy. How could you not love Phil Mickelson? But Phil is going to have a lot of pressure on him. Phil's going to have a lot of attention on him. And more often than not, when a golfer is being looked at and being focused on, it's tough to win. But the real story was going to be Brooks Kepka versus Bryson DeChambeau, right? Everybody wanted a pairing of those two. 
those two have been going back and forth on social media. The meme of Brooks Kepka when Bryson DeChambeau walked past him during a golf network interview or golf channel interview and rolling of the eyes and just losing his train of thought and just, you know, <laughs> disgusted by the near by the mere sight of Bryson DeChambeau. The USGA did not give us what we wanted. On Thursday, Brooks Kepka will play with Colin Murakawa and Justin Thomas. Bryson DeChambeau will play with Hideki Matsuyama. Jordan Spieth will pay, play with Will Zelateris uh, and Scheffler. Mickelson will play with Shoffley and Hama. Dustin Johnson will play with McElroy and Justin Rose. So we don't get the pairing that we were hoping for. Maybe we'll get it over the weekend, and, and maybe we'll get Brooks Kepka and and Bryson DeChambeau together, having the two guys have to have, you know, some correspondence or having them just be in the mere presence of each other would be great. And we're hoping that we get something like this before we get to the Ryder Cup because, I mean, these guys have got to figure it out and, you know, either put on boxing gloves and pound the crap out of each other or go head-to-head on a Sunday or something to establish dominance and then we can move off of this rivalry because come Ryder Cup time, I mean, the Americans don't want this hanging over their heads. I don't think you want to have, you know, if you're the captains, do you want to really have to go, well, we can't put Bryson and we can't put, you know, DeChambeau together. We know that's not going to work. You know, Brooks Kepka's been asked that question point blank, and he stated, look, it's a, a tournament that's different. It's a team tournament. I don't have to see him. He's on my team, but it doesn't mean I have to like him. And just the amount of going back and forth, they both said it's good for golf. I do think it's good for golf. I I think it's good for golf if we get some head-to-head action with it. I think it's good for golf. I'm not sure it's great for golf just to have it in, you know, in the Twitter world and just having these guys chirping back and forth at each other because golf is not a combat sport. So we're not going to settle this thing with fists. No one's punching each other. No one's going to bang out each other. So, like, why are you, you know, it's just it's a lot of hot air, I guess, between or, or at least hot texting or tweeting between these two guys without any real resolution so unless we get it head to head where they're up against each other it's going to be kind of an annoyance but I I think it's it's a it's a opportunity for golf to be talked about in a different way so I guess that's good but if you're betting on Phil Mickelson I don't blame you he's going to be the sentimental pick for this week everyone's going to be pushing and betting on it you know sprinkling on Phil just because he just did it and everyone said oh my gosh how did this guy become the oldest major champion ever at the PGA and then the next week he went out and played really poorly and he said I don't care I just won the PGA so I mean how could you not like Phil and how could you you know not appreciate what the guy is all about I don't think he wins the US Open but Look, he's proven me wrong and others wrong before. It would be an amazing story if you were to get out there and win the U.S. Open this coming weekend. We will do a lot on the U.S. Open Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We've got guests already booked, already lined up, coming on here to break it all down. We've got a lot more to come. Basketball talk to come. Our hard four, big four stories next year. I'm pushing the odds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
listening to Pushing the Odds. Powered by O'Reilly Auto Parts and Rocket Mortgage. And now, out of Las Vegas, Nevada, by way of Boston, Massachusetts, here he is, Matt Carroll. Pushing the Odds on a Tuesday. Brendan, I got to remember that people can hear us during the breaks because we were talking about someone who wrote on Twitter to me about Asian handicap, the Asian line for soccer. Somebody wrote, I'm a sucker for underdogs on the Asian line. And I was like, what? <laughs> completely foreign to me. And then somebody DM me an explanation as to what the Asian line was. <laughs> so, so there you go. Sounds like so, a good yeah. thing to me. <laughs> it is a good thing. We got to remind ourselves that people who listen during the commercial breaks, if they're listening, if they're actually on the live stream, that, that there are no commercial breaks on the live stream. It's just a live running audio video here, just straight on. So there we go. Uh, James Harden upgraded to questionable for game five tonight. Here we go. Nets are plus four tonight. I, am I wrong that I don't care if James Harden plays or not? Like, it doesn't make a difference to me. I, I don't know. It just seems like that's – if Harden plays, great. He's got a bad hamstring. How many points is he good for? 20? Does that change? I, I mean, again, I'm not on this. I, I'm only on the under. I'm not on a side. I don't know what to make of it. I, I think if you put a gun to my head, I would say ride the trend – and, you know, ride minus four. You know, the, the, that's what I have a ride. The trend would be the road favorite, which is 12 and four ATS. Okay. Shams is reporting James Harden plans to play tonight in game five, barring a setback during pregame warmups. He's now been upgraded to questionable. It looks like he's going to play. So James Harden's going to play. Does that matter? I mean, I don't know. I mean, Mike Conley has not played with this same injury for for four games now. And everyone's reacting going like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. This is so incredible. And everyone's grabbing on the Nets plus four here at home. And if you like Harden to play and you think they're a much better team with James Harden, you should probably grab onto the Nets to win the series because the Nets are plus 148 at the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. To win the series. I don't know. I I mean, again, I'm not positive that the Brooklyn Nets, if they've got James Harden, all of a sudden they are a tremendously better team against this Bucks team. It makes them better. I'm not debating that point. But Kyrie Irving is incredibly important to get other players involved. James Harden and Kevin Durant, you know, the ball sticks to them. Now, Harden has been great at distributing the basketball when Kyrie's been out. So he becomes the point guard. So you say, well, Matt, look at the numbers when James Harden, look at the assist numbers for James Harden when Kyrie's out. That's definitely something to look at, and maybe that's the prop you run with. But, again, from a game perspective, I don't know if it changes the game, and I don't know if Milwaukee – I still think Milwaukee wins the game. I, I still think minus four. I would wait. This number is going to come down. Okay, FanDuel just locked both the total money line and the spread until they find out about James Harden. So they're not taking any more bets on this game until they find out if James Harden's playing or not. My guess would be they're going to repost this, and the number probably is going to be somewhere around minus two, maybe minus one. 
And if you like Milwaukee, I think this is great news for you. You're going to get a much better number here. As far as me with the total, I bet the under 218. My guess is it's going to repost somewhere around 222, 223, somewhere in that range. And if you like the under, maybe you come back and bet the under again. And, you know, you get two bets rolling on it. I just, I don't know. I don't see an extremely fast-paced game. And I think Brooklyn's going to slow it down. And Milwaukee will slow it down, too, for that matter. But I think Brooklyn really will slow it down simply because of the fact that Harden can't run. He's got a hamstring. So why would you want to go up tempo with Harden you know, dealing with a hamstring injury? So we'll see how, good, how healthy he is. But if he's healthy, I mean, this could save the season for the, Milwaukee, for the Brooklyn Nets tonight if James Harden's effective. We start the hour with our four big stories. This is the Hard Four. It's time for the Hard Four on Pushing the Odds with Matt Peralt. Atlanta Hawks even up their series with Philly last night. Two games apiece. Huge come from behind victory. Hawks were down 20 to Philly. Rallied. Won the game by three on their home floor. We're going back to Philly. Monster game five coming up. Trey Young for Atlanta. Came alive in the second half and scored 25 points. While Joel Embiid was 0 for 12 in the second half. 4 for 20 in the game. Doc Rivers not happy with his team's effort in game four. We stopped passing. You know, I thought that we started the game off that way. Then we got back in the ball movement. Then we went back to um, hero basketball. You know, basically everybody wanted to be the hero instead of just trusting the team, trusting each other. When you do that, you usually lose, especially when the other team outworks you the whole game. And that's what they did today. Number two, Clippers even up their series two games apiece by blowing out the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell did play, scored 37 points, but nobody else could get going for Utah. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, each scored 31 points. L.A. back to Utah, tied up two games apiece. Donovan Mitchell after the game talking about the importance of protecting home floor. I think you said it. We have to be the aggressors. I think we have to come out. They've come out and hit first both times at home. And at the end of the day, they did what they were supposed to do. They, they won two games on their home floor. They took care of home court. So did we. You know, it may not feel or look like, you know, it was, it was like, look, look, may, sorry, it may not look or feel that way, but that's what, they were, that's what they were supposed to do. And we did the same thing. So now it's on us to go out there and be the aggressors, take, be the aggressor, take care of home court, and, and go from there. You know, I think we... We were up 2-0. We felt like we could have got one. We didn't. You know, and we got to understand that it's just it's 2-2. Uh, and we got to go out there and get the best out of three at this point. Number three, the big news, James Harden is questionable to play. He will attempt to go tonight for the Brooklyn Nets. Game number five, Milwaukee trying to get a win and send this thing back home with a chance to close out the series. The Nets are a big dog here to win the series and tonight as well, although the numbers are going to be readjusted with this James Harden news. To TNT's Charles Barkley, though, this is all about the book, about the Bucks. If they can't win now, when will they win? To me, this is the defining moment of this Bucks team. This is the defining moment, in my opinion. There's no way, if they, if like Shaq said, unless uh, Joe Harris, Mike James, and Blake are diving all over the place, but it don't matter. They don't have enough talent to beat the Bucks team. If I'm the Milwaukee Bucks, I get together and say, guys, this is our moment. As long as they don't outwork us, they can't beat us because they can't score enough points. And if the Milwaukee Bucks lose this series without James Harden for the entire series, now no Kyrie, this will be one of the biggest choke jobs in basketball history. 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 Wow. History. 
James Harden is expected to play tonight, or at least attempt to play tonight for the Nets. Fourth and finally, U.S. Open starts tomorrow in San Diego. The liability on Phil Mickelson to win the event for the first time in his career, completing the career grand slam, is massive. Mickelson is seeing the majority of the bets on him to win the event, and he knows now might be the time for him to win his first U.S. Open. It's been a really fun last few weeks, and... It's exciting to have a major championship here where I grew up in San Diego at uh, Torrey Pines and then to come in to this event as the most recent major winner is special as well. But um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the week and excited about the way this will showcase to the world what, it, uh, what a great job everyone's done to get this course ready and, and uh, how beautiful it is. Those are our four big stories for us here on a Tuesday's Pushing the Odds, 702751. Matt, 702751-6288. Sorry, I just had a very strange sound coming from outside of my house where we are here. I don't know if there's like an animal trying to burrow into my room. This is kind of a weird feeling, but interesting. I'll correct that. I'll check that during the break. I don't know if you guys heard that or not during the hard four, but there was like a loud scratching noise. An animal trying to come in through my outside wall. That was weird. We have more to come here. Let's get to the Hawks and what happened last night. Philadelphia 76ers. Man, are they in trouble? I liked Atlanta to win the series. I bet Atlanta to win the series. And then I thought it was a dead bet. Maybe not. We'll get to what happened last night. Trey Young and company and where Atlanta is next here. I'm pushing the odds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Three-point game. Chance at the last shot to tie it here for Philadelphia. Trying to force overtime. Here is Curry. Puts it up. And no good. And Atlanta wins it. The Hawks even this series at two apiece. TNT on the call there for Atlanta winning game two, 103 to 100. Another under coming in in the NBA playoffs. Joel Embiid. Uh-oh. Interesting to see what happened in that game. Before we get further into Atlanta and Philadelphia, let me just update you on the James Harden situation as the numbers are back up. Brooklyn is now a two-and-a-half-point home dog. That number down a point-and-a-half from where it was at the start of the show. The total goes from 218 up to 221-and-a-half. Now, I'm on the under 218, but this was before the James Harden news came out. James Harden was going to be out and now he's going to try to play he's questionable he's going to give it a go does that mean he's effective I don't know I mean Mike Conley has been sitting out with the same injury now for weeks and James Harden's been out for all four games but having him on the court will be huge now how effective will he be Donovan Mitchell was questionable before the game four last night against the LA Clippers, and he scored 37 points. 
and he was clearly laboring and he was clearly banged up on the ankle where he would grab at it and he would be limping on it and he wasn't right, but he still scored 37 points. So if Harden's at 75%, if he's not able to, to you know fully push it, but, but he can run and he can be somewhat effective on the defensive end enough that they can hide him a bit on the on, on defense and on offense he's able to get free, hit jump shots, pass the basketball, be the point forward that he loves to be. Well, some people think that the Nets are better with Kyrie and Harden without Durant. We haven't seen much of the Harden and Durant combination. So this is going to be a little bit of a new situation, but you would expect James Harden to be extremely active on the offensive end, maybe not on the defensive end, but you know the total... I'm not in love with my bet on the under 218. Now, I can't bet the over because I don't want to middle myself here. And I've got 218 under. We're at 221 and a half. If the number would come back down, maybe. But I'm just going to hold on to the under. And hopefully that, you know, with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, the unders come in all four games. Now with Kevin Durant and James Harden, maybe the under comes in as well. It may have more to do with Milwaukee and how Milwaukee shoots the basketball on the road, but last time we saw them in game number four, not great. Neither team has played well offensively at all here in this series, and this series has been you know, pretty much a, a, a back-and-forth battle. But the last game between these two was 229. It went under by 26 points. We're at 221.5 now. And we've gone under by 17 and a half, 27 and a half, 66 and a half, and 26. So last time they played in Brooklyn, it was 238 and a half. And the total, the combination came in under by 27 and a half points. So I'll stick with the under. And hopefully the books continue to overvalue the offense and, and what James Harden means. Uh, but I get it. I mean, you know, people are going to start hammering the over here because of Harden's ability to play here in this game. A lot of people are going to be on the nets for this reason. And the numbers you're going to see, like Milwaukee and Brooklyn, FanDuel was reporting 72% of the bets and 50% of the money has come in here on Milwaukee. I don't think you can trust that, to be quite honest, because now the number is totally different. And I, I think you have to see where the... The public goes today. My guess is the public's going to be all over the Nets, and I think that's going to give the Milwaukee Bucks a better number. I, I like the I liked Milwaukee at minus four. Eh, I think minus two and a half. I still like them even with James Harden in the game. I still like them, so I haven't bet it, but I'm leaning that way. I'm leaning on Milwaukee. All right, let's talk about Atlanta here and their win last night. So. You know, I'm watching guys and, 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 and people on the network like Aton Shander, who I love, and, you know, who are big Philly guys, who are, you know, Aton tweeted out that the Atlanta Hawks suck. And then Atlanta came back and won the game. Like, I, I, I can see why he said that, because I said about, I don't know, halfway through the third quarter, I thought it was going to be about a 20-point win for, for Philadelphia. I was on Philly minus three last night. So... I bet Atlanta to win the series before the series began at plus 155. 
I bet Philly last night because I said, look, if Atlanta wins game four, my bet for them to win the series is alive, and I have not been seeing this series all that well. I continue not to see this series all that well. and But I'm comfortable because now my 125 bet's alive, where down 3-1, the bet's totally dead, and, and, and that's it. But Embiid missed so many shots. 0 for 12, according to ESPN stats and information, that is the most attempts without a make in a half in a playoff game in the past 25 years. So a historically bad second half for Joel Embiid. There was no lift. He couldn't jump. Layups that should have been dunks, he couldn't get up. He can't push off on the knee. And he needs to get treatment. He needs to get that thing healthy. And coming back home is going to help tremendously, right? I mean, home cooking is going to be huge. But the Sixers led by as many as 18 points in the first half, and then they just completely threw it up and choked on it. And Embiid did other things. He was great rebounding. But 4 for 20 shooting is not going to get it done. Now, if you want to go glass half full, if you're a Sixers fan, the team lost by 3 with Joel Embiid going 4 for 20, Ben Simmons going 5 for 10, including 1 for 5 from the free throw line, and Ben Simmons had 11 points and 12 rebounds. That narrative about Ben Simmons not being able to rebound in this series or not really caring to rebound got blown up pretty fast. He had 11 rebounds in the first half. Now, that had a lot to do with the fact that the Atlanta Hawks shot the ball horrendously in the first half, under 40% shooting for the team for the half, but they got much better in the second half. Trey Young woke up and scored 25 points, 3 of 11 from behind three-point line. So if you want to go the other way, if you're the Hawks and say, well, wait, we lost, we won by three, but Bogdanovich was 4 of 13 from behind the three-point line. Trey Young was 3 of 11 from behind the three-point line. And for the game... 8 for 26 for Trey Young. He had 18 assists, however. I mean, that's, you want to talk about a guy who knew his shot wasn't going but made plays for others? 18 assists with 25 points for Trey Young. Amazing, amazing performance for him, willing his team and keeping his team alive here in this series. And after the game, Trey Young declaring it's a best of three now. Any win can change momentum, and any win can uh, can spark a team's energy and really get a team going. So hopefully this really uh, gives us a little bit more momentum and and more, uh, I mean, guys are ready really to go in to Philly and take care of business. It's going to be a really tough game for them. It's going to be a tough game mentally, tough game physically. And as the, year, as the series goes on, if Joel Embiid's knee gets worse and worse, Philly's going to be in trouble. And I think it's not crazy to say Philadelphia without Joel Embiid. This is one one reason why I bet the, the Hawks at plus 155. Because I wasn't sure that Embiid was healthy. Now, he's played much better than I thought he would play here over the last three games. But in the second half, that was the type of player that I thought we were going to see. A guy with a torn meniscus who clearly had zero lift and really struggled. Nate McMillan's done an incredible job with his Atlanta Hawks team. And after the game, he was very proud of the mental fight for his team. 
I think they continue to just show growth in, in all areas. And uh, this was a mental challenge uh, for our guys. You know, we talked about that uh, after uh, game three uh, when we dropped that game and uh, we looked a little, uh, you know, beat up. It, you know, this is a mental uh, challenge. It's just as much mental as it is physical. And I thought our guys re uh, responded uh, tonight with, uh, you know, great effort, uh, lots of energy. Uh, you know, they played with urgency, but I thought the execution on both ends of the floor uh, was really good. I, we, I felt that we were connected uh, out there on the floor tonight. We'll see what game five looks like, but Atlanta is in the series. They don't have home court, but they're in the series, and it's just like tonight. Game five. It's just like Utah and L.A. going to a game five. Game five is extraordinarily pivotal and really could dictate who winds up winning the series. And having home court is monster. If you win game five at home, you know you go to game six, you don't have to win. If you lose, you go back home, you got game seven on your home court, and you feel pretty good about it. If you don't have home court, well, if you win game five, you got a pretty good chance to win the whole series. So we'll, we'll see which teams have a chance to take game five. Clippers on the road at Utah, you know, Hawks on the road at Philadelphia, and tonight the Bucks on the road at Milwaukee and everyone, or sorry, at Brooklyn. And so everybody is just kind of you know banging around. And the team that gets to put their heels up and relax, the Phoenix Suns. The more you watch this, the more that you're going, man, are all three of those series going to go seven? And the Suns get to sit and rest? I'm not sure you want to sit and rest, but with Chris Paul dealing with that shoulder injury, yeah, you do want to sit and rest. You do want to get him as much treatment as possible. You do want to get his legs back and have him ready to go for the Western Conference Finals and have him ready to go potentially for the NBA Finals. So huge opportunity, huge deal for the Suns to watch these teams bang into each other and go deep into their series and, well, get potentially more injured. I mean, look at Mitchell, Conley, Embiid, Harden, Kyrie Irving. I mean, just go through it. I mean, there's just so many superstars right now who are injured. Chris Paul was one of them. He gets a lot of rest, though, which is really, really big. Important to watch. Matt Moore joins us next from the Action Network. We'll talk about all these game fives and the time off for Phoenix next year. I'm pushing the odds. perspectives and actionable insights 24 hours a day sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Matt Moore from the Action Network here in just one second, but breaking news from the boxing world. The fight that was supposed to happen this coming weekend for Teofimo Lopez, which I was really psyched to watch, is now off and postponed until August 14th due to Teofimo Lopez testing positive for COVID-19 this morning after a PR test and is symptomatic. He's got symptoms of covid and he has COVID. So his fight has been pushed back until August the 14th. That's a long time. So his fight, Wilcomboso, is off for two months. 
after testing positive for COVID-19. The whole undercard as well is being pushed until August. So for boxing fans, that's a bummer. We're not going to see Tiafima Lopez for a month and a half due to a positive COVID-19 test for Tiafima Lopez. Let's go and talk to Matt Moore from the Action Network about all these Game 5s coming up here on Pushing the Odds. Matt, Matt Peralta, how are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I am good. Uh, for those soccer fans, Portugal just scored, by the way. Hungary scored, offsides, got called back. 84th minute, Portugal scores 1-0 the score there. All right, so James Harden, questionable now. From out to doubtful to questionable. I know you don't have any insight to the injury, but just with that news, what does it do to your breakdown of the game tonight for Bucks nets Yeah, I mean, I bet the Nets, as soon as the word came out, Sean Sharani of the athletic bet that He's going to play tonight, and then Woj followed up and said the same. It was pretty obvious once he was upgraded. Once they go from doubtful to questionable, the odds of them playing are pretty high. That's why Mike Conley not playing in game four was a little surprising. Um, so I bet the Nets, just based off of home, getting Harden back, the role players play better. Joe Harris is shooting the lights out at home. He's struggling on the road. Um, I, I'm still, I grabbed the four points. I don't know that after the market gets done with this that there's going to be much value. Um, I think it's moved a point now, three. If this gets into two, I'm a little bit skeptical. Um, I think that there's been some misconceptions on the series as a whole in terms of Milwaukee's shooting performance and Brooklyn's you know, apparent dominance in two games. I think there's an idea that the Bucks are, play, are being strategically outmatched more than they just haven't played well. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's still some value on Milwaukee to win the series. But for this game with Harden coming back at home, I've got to grab the Nets as a dog. Two and a half is what it is at FanDuel right now. So if you think it gets to two or one and a half, there's value on, yeah. on, on, on Milwaukee? Yeah, I would think so. I think the only reason that it was set that high and, and had kind of moved up was based off of the idea of, like, look, it's just KD and the role guys, and there's just not enough to beat the Bucks. But just Harden – it means that it's harder to guard KD, and it gives and Harden in particular give will give them problems. You know, it makes playing Brook Lopez tougher because Brook Lopez plays drop, and Harden will just go to the floater every single time, and he'll have more room to whip passes and things like that. Plus the transition shooting, like there's all these things that Harden will help in this matchup in particular. I think even a little bit more than Kyrie Irving would. <clears throat> and so I would expect this to get even lower, um, but at that point, I think most of the value is gone. You know, when you look at the total, Matt. Brooklyn and Milwaukee, all four games have gone under by 17.5, and 66.5, and, and 26. The number is climbing. Last game was 229. It's now 221.5. Why is this series being played so slowly, and why is it such a low-scoring series? Shooting variance. It really is shooting variance. Um Look, I, I don't – again, this guy gets into misconceptions. If you go back and you watch games one and two, and you get past the ideas of how Milwaukee just, like, always struggles in the playoffs and, like, they're never really prepared for this moment, yada, yada. If you get past those narratives and you just look at the shots and you go, was this a good shot? You're going to walk away with most of those and go, like, yeah, that was a pretty good shot. And everybody's like, yeah, but it was all ISO one-on-one. Of course it was. It was versus the switch. But that's why you have Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Like, that is why you get those dudes. And you combine that with, you have to ask yourself, you know, do you think Blake Griffin has suddenly become an all-NBA defender? <laughs> I personally do not. <laughs> I, I just personally think that this is probably more about, you know, 
Giannis missing some shots and <clears throat> trying to adjust the coverage, which I thought he did a lot in game four. And then the counter there is, is mostly the whistle. That's why you can't really count on Giannis. But, like, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday have had shots that rattled in, 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 out. Like, I've watched, I went back and watched these clips. They're not missing bad shots that are outside their comfort range. Those guys only take shots that are in their comfort range, and they're very good at them. Um, so for me, I think that there's a, a, some value on the Bucks team total over if you're going to play sides. I think the Nets are going to have a harder time because the Bucks are, are, I'll say that the Bucks are starting to show more coverages at them. They started switching, going to Giannis at five, putting more pressure on certain areas. The big, they play Joe Harris much better. Like, I think the Bucks are getting better at covering the Nets as the series goes along. The problem is you can't tell if that's the Bucks getting used to it or the injuries. And so that's why I think tonight's game is, is such an interesting one going forward for the rest of the series. Not more Action Network joining us here on Pushing the Odds. Okay, so tomorrow we have two Game 5s, Atlanta and Philly, Clippers and the Jazz. Atlanta now catching six points in this game. Joel Embiid had a historically bad second half. Some people are saying, well, no one was talking about the knee when Embiid was scoring 35. And now he, he goes four for 20, and it's all about the knee. What, what do you make of what happened last night in Atlanta? If you go back to 2017, the last time he had a meniscus tear, uh, this is basically what happened is he would play great. The knee would swell. He would struggle. He would miss a game. He'd come back. He'd play great. The knee would swell. He'd miss time. Uh, it, it is a, an injury that is going to be inconsistent in how he responds to it and how he responds to the treatment of it, right, <clears throat> whatever that treatment may be. So it's not surprising me that, that Embiid – would have a performance like this. It's worse that the Hawks shot so poorly in game five and still won that game. That's mm. an issue. Like, you know, the, the Hawks, look, the, the, the Sixers' defense is amazing. They're a really great defensive team, but the Hawks also just had a really bad shooting night and still won that game. That's a, that is a bad loss for the Sixers. Um, I, you know, I don't know. <clears throat> this is the entire thing. The myth of the Embiid injury happened even after, oh, like, he dominated. and Like, oh, he's fine. You just once you know that that injury exists, it, it is more likely to have incidents where it gets worse than it is for it to just go away. It's not going to go away. A torn meniscus isn't going to go away. So he's going to have these kind of games like this, which is why I've mostly stayed away from that series. Was you know try to stay away from the idea of uh, whether a it will inconsistently bother him. And I think that's going to be the case. He may come out and score 45 in the next game. He may miss it. This is a reality with this meniscus. And it's going to be, I think it's going to create a lot of havoc in the marketplace. And it's going to be tough for betters to try and figure it out. It's one of the reasons I'm going to be pretty hesitant to go either way on the series until it's done. So is there value on, on the Hawks at plus six, given that they shot 12 of 40 from behind the three point line? I think there's probably a little bit of value. I think that line's a little high except for the fact that when the Sixers have won, they've dominated, right? So yeah. it gets a little tough. It gets a little tough to say, like, oh, there's value on the points. You might as well just take the money line there and say, you know, I'm banking that Embiid's not going to be right for the next game and that even if he plays, he's going to be limited or he's going to miss time and the Hawks have enough. I'll say this, like, I think the Hawks have figured out some stuff offensively mm-hmm. as the series has gone on. I think they figured out some stuff defensively as the series has gone on. Like, that's a lot of it. You get used to playing a team. The physicality definitely caught Atlanta off guard when the Sixers responded in games two and three. But Atlanta, Atlanta's realistically in this series. 
Like mm-hmm. they are in this series. They can win this series because the Sixers do not have enough offensive firepower without a fully healthy Embiid to be able to counter them. Um, I just wind up being like, look, if the Sixers, if Embiid does feel good, they're going to whoop them. They're going to dominate them. And if he doesn't, the Hawks are live, but they might still lose. So I think this series is one that you got to be real careful and specific with how you bet it. Interesting. I'm on Atlanta to win the series at plus 155, but interesting to see what happens if they can win game five. They go home with a chance to close it out. All right, Jazz laying three here against the Clippers. We don't know yet about Mike Conley. He may or may not play here, but on a bum ankle, we saw Donovan Mitchell score 37 points last night in a blowout loss to the Clippers. Clearly, L.A. is back in the series, but do you buy that the Jazz should be a home favorite here? Not as much as it is. Like we were at four and a half yesterday, I believe it closed. Yeah, and we're it moved seven points the other direction. <laughs> like, this has been a little. This series has been wild with how the home court has seemingly mattered. Um, the thing with this series is really three point variance, but also I'll say this: <clears throat> we talked about how these teams are getting more comfortable as the series goes along. Clippers are another one where. You know, there, there was a lot made of, well, hey, the, the the Jazz figured some stuff out late in that game last night. Mm, they figured some stuff out because Ty Lue kept in Vita Zubac, <laughs> which is not his fault, but like that's not your fastball. Your fastball is playing small and switching everything. And when you play small and you switch everything, the Jazz offense grinds to a halt, especially without Conley. And so if you expect to see more of that, we've seen Lou make a lot of rotation changes where – Rondo's out. Luke Kennard is playing sparingly. More Terrence Mann and more Nick Batum. Batum was amazing in last night's game. His stat line does not look great. He was a big reason why Rudy Gobert only had like had no no field goal attempts at half. Was he was sniping the passes they were trying to make to the inside on the roll. And so, so for me, the Clippers have figured out a lot of mechanisms to mess with the Jazz. I did not watch the Jazz and go like. You know, they're just missing good looks. I didn't feel that way. Uh, I think that the Clippers, I think the Clippers are live as a dog in this game. I'll probably be on the Clippers in this game, but I'm going to wait to see what happens with Conley because Conley is a big part of how they can counter that stuff. If you have a guy that can dribble and create and pass for others, that's going to improve your overall performance. I think the Jazz played really terribly in the first half. I think that the Clippers did not put the, the pedal down the way that they can in the second half, which that's nothing new for them. But I do think that the Clippers have the edge now. I like them to win the series quite a bit. If Mike Conley plays and is effective, does that change your mind? Not really on the series. I still think that the, the, the Clippers can wind up countering. Like in a Game 7 environment, I do trust the Clippers a little bit more. Um, I've, thought, I've spoken a lot about how I think Kawhi Leonard's Game 7s are a little overstated. If you go back, he's, his history there has not been awesome, was great in the Mavericks series versus the terrible defense. However, overall, I just <laughs> the biggest thing here is Donovan Mitchell is not healthy. Mm. He wasn't healthy to start the playoffs. He's gotten banged up more. He missed, the, he missed time. He was clearly not 100% last night, even though he shot great. He's just not the same kind of guy. You get to a game seven, he wore out last year in that Nuggets series. And I kind of wonder if the same thing's going to happen because he's having to do so much for this team right now, carrying them offensively hmm. because of what the Clippers are doing on defense. So 
So I still kind of lean. If Conley comes back and looks good, like that might be the that's honestly probably the best time to get in on the Clippers to win the series. Interesting. Matt, great stuff, man. Thank you for the time. Appreciate you coming on. Anytime, man. Take care. That is Matt Moore, at Matt Moore, T-A-N on Twitter, to follow him here on Pushing the Odds. Great stuff on the NBA playoffs with him, picks and thoughts and plays coming up here to roll. I've got Utah to win the West, so he likes the Clippers to win the series, so that's I don't like that. And uh, But I do have the Hawks to win the series against Philly, and he likes Atlanta potentially to win that, so that's good news. Interesting to watch the end of this Portugal-Hungary game. It got ugly in a hurry. Ronaldo scored on a penalty kick and then scored in extra time. A 3-0 victory. It was nothing-nothing in the 88th minute. And then it became a 3-0 win for Portugal. If you had the under, you had Hungary. Oh, my, those are bad bets, bad beats. Maybe not in the loss, but in the under for sure. That's a tough one. More to come here on Pushing the Odds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Three zero zero seven five eight eight hundred four three zero zero seven five eight eight hundred four three zero zero seven five eight. That's eight hundred four three zero zero seven fifty eight. Live from Las Vegas. Here's Matt Peralt. Sorry, I said eighty-eight minutes. It was eighty minutes. Eighty minutes of action with no scoring, and then three goals over the last 13, 14 minutes. Two by Ronaldo, who now has 11 goals all time in the Euros. He has more goals scored than Hungary has as a nation. His 11 career goals in the Euro are the most in tournament history, and he now has 106 career international goals. The men's world record is held by Iran's Ali Dili? Dai? With 109. I've never heard of him, so I apologize. I'm mispronouncing his name, I'm sure. But 109. So could Ronaldo get there during this Euro tournament? Maybe. Two goals. And if they have him take PKs, why not? I mean, he drilled the PK in the back right corner. Goalie guessed the wrong way. And Ronaldo got a beautiful pass. There was some question as to whether or not he was on sides for his second goal. But looks like they reviewed it and he was on sides. So Ronaldo does his celebratory jump 180 turn and five euros. He's got a goal in all five of the euros he has played in as a player. So pretty impressive. If you had over, congrats. If you had under in that game, that is a historically bad beat. Under two and a half goals between Portugal and Hungary. Brutal loss on that one, given the fact that they scored an extra time with really no <laughs> no time left. So pretty wild there. Uh, yeah. Okay, so if you're listening on SiriusXM, uh, you got lunchtime with linemakers coming up with Brian Blessing at the top of the hour. If you are on Sports Map Radio, we got two more hours to go, including conversations about soccer betting and how to help you guys bet on soccer. We'll replay you my talk with Sean Sullivan from NBC, uh, NBC Sports Betting. 
NBC Sports Edge coming up later in the show. Uh, we've got NBA conversations and NFL conversations as well, all still to be had. And, well, if you are looking to bet who will start for the Patriots game one, that bet is available. All indications after watching camp, the media is all in on Cam starting game one that Mac Jones is woefully behind Cam Newton to start for the Patriots. So, hypothetically speaking, there you go. <laughs> Interesting stuff. XM folks, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Sports map folks, stick around. More to come here for Pushing the Odds. Lost in a sea of stats, averages, and injury reports? It's okay. Breathe. You found it. Sports gaming strategies and info. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Coming at you all day. Every day. With more attitude than other lesser networks would deem appropriate.